You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, I'm Demet Çanakçı, a Senior Program Director at Toronto Centre. This podcast is based on a recent TC note we published today. TC notes are meant to provide practical guidance to financial sector supervisors on key supervisory challenges. My guest today is Lyndon Nelson, the author of the TC note on cyber risk, determining and delivering cyber risk strategy, which is published this month. Let me briefly introduce him. Lyndon was a senior UK-based regulator with over 30 years of experience of regulation across all of its disciplines. He has chaired committees at institutional, national, and international level. He also has extensive experience of public policy issues at national and global level, serving as the UK member on the Basel Committee and the Financial Stability Board Standing Committee to assess vulnerabilities. Lyndon also chaired the G7 Cyber Experts Group for five years. Lyndon, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, Thanks, Demet, for the invitation. Well, cyber risk is considered as one of the top three risks for financial institutions. On top of that, it constantly evolves and adapts. Let me kick off by asking, is it even possible to have a robust strategy to deal with cyber risk? Thanks, Demet, for that question. So I think we know that any moving target is is difficult to hit. But I'm absolutely certain from all of my experience that a proper considered supervisory strategy is certainly up to the job. Nearly all cyber incidents start from a lapse in, in basic controls, such as a member of staff being fooled by a, a phishing email. So assessing controls is a core competence for supervisors and consequently, it's very much suitable for a robust strategy for cyber risk. Thank you, Lyndon. How about risk-based provision? How can we accommodate cyber risk in RBS? Well, risk-based approaches to supervision are there to deliver a structured approach to prioritizing resources of supervisors and their effort. So they have to reflect cyber risk. Uh, cyber introduces some in important additions to how supervisors assess the impact or the significance of the financial institutions that they look at. So for example, cyber risk introduces other sources of potential contagion through, let's say, sharing a common network or a software or hardware. It's why, for example, that we all need to be on high alert when there are vulnerabilities found in very common pieces of software or hardware such as, for example, we found in 2021 when the Microsoft Exchange servers were exploited. That impacted almost 250,000 servers. So all these are sources of contagion that supervisors have to reflect in their risk-based approach. 
Thank you, Lyndon. Uh, can you tell us about how supervisors can assess cyber resilience? Where do we start? Well, supervisors will already be assessing the technology aspects of cyber, so they'll have some essential baseline data on the institutions that they supervise. They will know, for example, the sorts of data that they hold, where that data is held, the key databases, as well as the technology infrastructure, such as the servers, whether they use the cloud, and also to what extent they use third parties. So with that baseline data, they can then start to look at how the institution itself manages cyber risk, such as how many incidents of non-authorized access there have been, how many of the computers on their network are outside of their own security policy, etc. So that's where you would start. Many thanks, Lyndon. Um, a follow-up question on that. How can we ensure that it is a robust supervisor strategy? So once, the, of course, the supervisor has the data, it has to approach its analysis from really two perspectives. The first is that they think about how a potential cyber adversary might think about this, and then they need to think about how they think about it as a supervisor. So from the adversary's perspective, the supervisor needs to think first about the vulnerabilities of the firms that they have, and how they, those could be exploited. They then have to think about the likelihood that they will indeed have those vulnerabilities exploited, given the quality of the controls, and if indeed there is a probable threat. Once the supervisor has those views, they can then think about the probability that a cyber incident will happen and its likely impact. And the impact will come down to what assets are at risk, what sort of data are at risk, and what the consequences are if those, that data is lost, or it's disclosed, or it's temporarily unavailable. This will also come down to an assessment of operational resilience. And I would very much recommend that supervisors also consider the Toronto Central Note titled Operational Resilience, The Next Frontier for Supervisors. That was actually published in 2021. Yes, thank you, Lyndon. All of our TC notes are available on our website. As you mentioned in the note, reporting, analysis, and assessment are not the end, and supervisors should consider how to respond. Can you tell us more about it? In other words, what could be the supervisory intervention here? Uh, you make a great point. Analysis is never the end goal. The responses, of course, are going to differ between supervisors based on their general approach, what their risk appetite is, and indeed what powers they have. But I'd expect that we're all looking really to be placing additional requirements on the institutions, such as maybe improving controls, improving the quality and the timeliness of risk identification, Perhaps also additional analysis by the same financial institutions. Maybe they have to undertake further penetration testing. But also, I think you'd be looking at requirements to improve the capabilities of those financial institutions to deal with incidents. Maybe requirements to reduce the chances that they might get attacked, such as the location of their data assets. And maybe even requirements to reduce the impact of incidents by improving recovery and operational resilience. Thank you, Lyndon. So far, we talk about uh, micro-supervision side of cyber risk. How about macro-supervision? 
Well, cyber incidents, unfortunately, have the potential to create financial stability issues. Often they affect payments and settlement systems. And that's why on the G7 and in the Financial Stability Board, they've been placing so much focus on this and have published quite a lot on cyber risk. So for macro supervisors, it's a lot like their micro counterparts. They have to consider what their tolerance is for disruption. So for example, how long could a payment system be out of action? And with that information, and then with the supervisory risk assessments and information, and also perhaps information from testing, macro supervisors can then determine whether the financial sector can actually continue to deliver those essential services perhaps only with a tolerable break in service. Any gaps, of course, between that risk appetite and where they currently are will require risk mitigation. And that might be the micro-supervisors or it indeed may have a macro intervention such as a market-wide reform, such as perhaps an alternative settlement arrangement or how to deal with uh, if a system is particularly down for a period of time. Thank you, Lyndon. My last question to you is about the communication of cyber risk. Why it is important and how do we improve it? Very, very important. So some of the cyber incidents I've studied actually have required a very high level of communication and collaboration between the cyber adversaries. So we at least have to make and match what they're doing. So it's all the usual pleas that supervisors have to keep each other informed about the risks. And they also apply to cyber risk. But it's a big, and it's a big but here, that communication has to acknowledge that in the case of cyber, it can take a long time for the picture to become clear. So I think that means that supervisors and colleges of supervisors need to prepare before any incident and establish what the communication norms are for that group. And I would also refer to work by the FSB and the G7 Cyber Experts Group that have looked at standards for how reports and incidents should take place, including a cyber lexicon, so that when communication does happen, we're minimising the risk that there might be misunderstandings between the group. Thank you, Lyndon. Um, I think this is a good place to conclude the conversation. Uh, do you have any final comments? Well, thanks for the chance to talk about cyber today and also the opportunity to write the TC note. I'll end by underlining how we started, that despite the unique challenges of cyber, much of it can still be tackled by good quality traditional supervision. And also to remember that supervisors are not alone in tackling these challenges of cyber risk. So considering mutually beneficial partnerships is a great opportunity to improve the capabilities and the reach of supervisors. Thank you very much, Lyndon. Thank you for your time uh, this morning uh, you spent with us today. I couldn't agree more. Good supervision is always the key to resilient financial systems and collaboration will remain essential in tackling global challenges. I encourage participants to read the TC note, which can be found on our website. Please feel free to send any questions or requests regarding TC notes to publications at torontocenter.org. I'm here today with Lyndon Nelson, and you have been listening to another episode of TC Notes podcast series. 
Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for the next episodes. Thank you.